This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome into another edition of Bragging Rights Week 4 Preview. A little bit of a stinky slate, but guess what? I don't care. It's college football. And after the night that the Titans had last night, Pierce and I need to talk some college football. Our Titans not not looking too good. I'm not going to focus on the fact that the season is a third over after tonight or to this weekend either. Not going to. I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to point it out on the podcast. I'm just going to. Scary. <laughs> it is scary. It comes and goes faster than you'd like it to. Uh, before we get into our week four preview, I need to introduce my co-host. I'm Madison. I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I uh, was up late last night. I drank too much with uh, the the embarrassment that was the Tennessee Titans. They are probably one of the worst four or five teams in the league. Probably the worst since they went two and fourteen. I think Derrick Henry's done. I think they need to trade some players. I think the OC is one of the worst coaches in all of the NFL. Um, but I digress. This is a college football podcast. I don't really care about the NFL anyways when it comes down to it. So it's college football day. Excited to dive in. And, and you know, you said the slate's not great. It, it's not great. But we kind of said the same thing about week two, and there were a ton of upsets. So usually when the slate uh, it looks doesn't look promising, uh, a lot of craziness happens. It seems to always deliver. So excited to jump in. Some really odd lines, some tough lines this week. It was probably the toughest week uh, to narrow down my easy peasy. So um, do with that what you will. But interesting slate nonetheless. Could be worse, Pierce. We could be the Indianapolis Colts. That is a sorry situation there. Um, yeah, so I said at the end of last podcast that the picks were available. They were not. They are now. So go now. When Once you listen to this podcast, once you hear what we have to say about these games and whether you think we're idiots or not, go go make your picks. You got to have them in by e- noon Eastern time. That's when the first game kicks off. No Thursday, no Friday this week. Noon Eastern time in order for those picks to count. If you're having any issues, and we've had a couple people have issues over the past couple weeks, let me know. Um, you can reach out to me uh, either on social media or directly if you've got my phone number or you've got my email as well because I like to send reminder emails. So get those in. Follow us on social media. Make sure you're subscribed. Join the fun, all of that. And let's just jump in, Pierce. Without further ado, let's talk about some college football games. First up at noon Eastern time on ABC, the number five Clemson Tigers and the number 21 Wake Forest Demon Deacons, both undefeated. I mean, it's been a while since you could, no, I say it's been a while. I guess last year, Notre Dame, not Notre Dame. God, I'm already off to a great start. And I'm not even drinking this podcast. Uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest last year had a really great year. They obviously are off to a uh, pretty good start so far. They did narrowly escape Liberty last weekend. Clemson coming in seven-point favorite on the road. Clemson, for what it's worth, has it came out and we were like, maybe they're not all that good since they have kind of bounced back. Not really sure what to make of them, Pierce. Seven points on the road is a lot, though, I will say, for a team that's not covering. Uh, for a team that if DJ is not firing, they are not going to have a good game. On the flip side, you also have the same thing with the Wake Forest team. Like if Sam Hartman's not playing well, who even knows what they look like? Who knows what their identity is like? Uh, neither of them have really played any particularly uh, difficult opponents. You can't really put that up by a matchup. I'm just solely going on the fact of what we've seen so far this season. Clemson, although they've been bigger point spread, one and two against the spread, not really able to cover as much. Wake Forest has been. If you put these two on paper, Wake Forest is actually giving getting the slight lean on offense. They match up almost identically on defense, but slight lean on offense. So I'm going to go Wake Forest at home in a potential upset spot for the Clemson Tigers. I'd be tempted to sprinkle a little bit of a money, money line on the Clemson Tigers. That being said, I'm taking Wake Forest to cover. Uh, what about you? 
I'm going the opposite of you on this one, and it's probably against better judgment. Um, I just think Clemson has the better overall players, um, in particular on the defensive side of the ball. Wake Forest is just not very good defensively, um, and, and I think that will lend itself like to Clemson being able to score some. What do you mean? They're like the same. They're putting up basically the same. The only difference is that Clemson's better against the ground game. But they're you both averaging the same. No, you said defensively. Yeah. Yeah. They're like the exact yeah, same well, defensively. You can't tell me. You can't look and watch those teams play and tell me that they have the same caliber of players that Clemson has. Clemson does have one of the best defenses in the country, in particular on the line of scrimmage. Their D-line has about seven, eight deep, all of which will probably be drafted in the NFL or play at least a little bit in the NFL. That um, matter if kids <clears> got I points. Think you'll see, I think you'll see a motivated Clemson bunch. Um, and, and I think they do have the ace in the hole that if they do come out and they struggle, cause I just don't see, I don't see Wake Forest scoring more than, than 17 points on this Clemson defense. I don't even know if they get over 10. That's how good this Clemson defense is. Um, maybe they get lucky and hit a couple deep balls here and there on one-on-one coverage. Um, if they can get over 24, they probably win this game. I don't see it. I don't think their defense is good enough to, to keep Clemson, even as inept there as their offense is, to keep them uh, uh, from scoring at least 21 to 24. Uh, and I just don't see a way for Wake Forest to, to put up too many points. I'm going Clemson. Probably it's a stinky line, probably a, probably a loser, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll die with the more talented team all day, uh, especially only, only having to cover seven, despite a bad offense. Mm. We majorly disagree there. I just don't think Clemson is necessarily. Wake Forest is trash. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, great teams cover, and Clemson's not been covering, so that's why I'm taking Wake Forest in that one. All right, let's talk about the Baylor Bears, number 17 in the nation, going to Ames to take on the undefeated Iowa State Cyclones. Baylor is actually the underdog, despite the national ranking underdogs in this one. They're getting three points on the road. That game is at noon Eastern time on ESPN two. These are two teams Pierce that I do not necessarily want to watch a game between. And I don't mean that to be a slight to either of them. I just mean in the sense that, uh, I think Iowa state took a major step back, obviously with some of their name, uh, household name players. And Baylor just doesn't necessarily play a brand of game of, of uh, football that I find. I don't know. They're nothing to write home about. Nothing jumps off the page about either of these teams, I should say. That's a better way to phrase it. Three points on the road is an interesting, interesting line there from Vegas, uh, especially when you consider it the fact that uh, – I understand the polls are trash, but considering the fact that Baylor technically is getting more looks and uh, is getting more of the backing in the polls, that could be because of the double overtime loss to BYU. Uh, you know, obviously last week, not a great, great showing from the BYU Cougars, but – you look at that, you give a little bit of a nod to Baylor. Other than that, they haven't played anybody. Iowa State at least beat Iowa, but they really struggled to put up points, Pierce. Um, and I think that if this turns into any type of a offensive bout, I feel like I sh- that scares me a little bit for Iowa State. Now, I get that Iowa's got one of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go... Baylor in this one getting points I think they're a little bit more of a talented team I just think Iowa State has gotten lucky and hasn't really played anybody they haven't seen an offense necessarily and I'm not saying Baylor's like this crazy highfalutin offense I'm just saying they haven't seen an offense of this caliber yet between southeastern Missouri Ohio and Iowa so I'm going to go the Baylor Bears in this one getting the points and I think there's a reason why they're ranked higher than Iowa State we see that this weekend yeah, I agree in this one. Um, Baylor's just the better team. Iowa State in in you know I know that uh, in the day of the transfer portal you can you can reload rather quickly. I, I just after losing you know some of the best players in Iowa State history and Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and uh, I'm blanking on the tight end's name. Um, you know you certainly certainly this team has taken a step back. I, I, I will say as much or as as I'm sitting here picking Baylor. This line is one of those lines that I point out all the time that just stinks. Um, I think Baylor will be able to establish the run game. They need to be able to pass a little bit, though. Iowa State, you know, is kind of scrappy, and they and weird things happen up in Ames. Um, so if they can't get the passing game going and they're one-dimensional, it might be difficult for them uh, to win this game. Iowa State's going to muck it up. But at the end of the day, kind of like Clemson, I am taking Baylor 
against better judgment because they just have the better team uh, and the better players. And I think they've got a good formula to go in there and win. It's not like they're going to struggle to score points like Iowa. At least I don't believe so. Um, So I I like Baylor in this one to cover the measly number. Uh, But it stinks to the high heavens. Your TCU Horned Frogs will be in Dallas to take on the SMU Mustangs. That game is at 12 Eastern time on ESPNU. Picked this game not because it has national implications necessarily, but it is interesting. Sonny Dyke's first time returning to his former school to take on the Mustangs. Now, obviously, him being the head coach of TCU. TCU 2-0 on the season so far with wins against Colorado and I don't even know who that is. T-R-T-A-R? Is that Texarkana? What no, it's way worse. Tarleton. Tarleton. Tarleton, Tarleton I like, State, I believe it again, is. Again, I think you heard this in the last podcast. I don't necessarily have all have the abbreviation, and usually I'm pretty good with, with knowing what the school is. I ain't ever seen Tarleton. Okay. SMU, on the other hand, they are 2-1 and one on the season with wins against North Texas and another school I don't know the abbreviation for, but Le- I don't know, Lamar. Uh, and then they went to Maryland last week and lost only by seven points, but they did, in fact, lose to Maryland TCU, two-point favorite there on the road. I really don't know what to do with this one. I'm not going to lie. SMU has had a very hot offense with Tanner Mordecai. A uh, little bit, I guess, a little bit of a step back this year, a little bit of a new regime, new coach, new, you know, everything, all the growing pains that come along with that. Um, that being said, I think this is a, uh, weird sounding, but a revenge spot for them to get right against the sunny Dykes and kind of show him what you're missing out on. I do like Mordecai over Duggan. I think TCU's got a good team this year, better than you'd give it credit for. Uh, they've been much more defensive minded and it's nice to see that they're changing the tune on that a little bit more, obviously getting more production there on the offensive side of the ball. That being said, I am going to take the SMU Mustangs getting points at home against their former coach. I think there's a lot of motion there and I like the Mustangs in this one. Pony up. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. Um, remember TCU's, you know, lost their starting quarterback in, in the first week of the season at Colorado. And, and when you break oh, this is he down out, out, yeah, uh, he's out for a little while. They thought it was a knee and he was going to be out for the season, but apparently he got some good news. And so I think it's like a three to four, maybe six week type of thing. So I do think he'll be back, not for this game. Um, that's why Duggan's playing. Duggan is not what did not win this starting job. Um, he, he just doesn't, he's not as, as good a passer as Chandler Morris. Um, now that being said against Tarleton state, he did put up ridiculous numbers, uh, but that's to be expected against Tarleton state, uh, against Colorado. He came in in the second half and, and I don't even know if he threw a pass. They literally just ran him every play. And, and that's a scary sign to me that they just aren't as comfortable with his decision-making, uh, especially in the pocket. Now, he can make plays, and I don't think SMU or their, their defense is world beaters. So I do think this will, uh, you know, there will be some points scored here uh, on both sides. But I, it, what it comes down to is I just trust Tanner Mordecai more than any other player on TCU's team. I could see them, I could see them going absolutely berserk on this TCU team. TCU's defense is pretty good against the run. But, man, they will give up chunk plays uh, in the passing game. And so I, I like SMU uh, to get this win and cover. And and you're right. It is a bit of a revenge spot after their coach last year who you know really had some of the best success at SMU in a long time bolts to, to, to their arch rival in TCU. Um, I do think TCU will come out motivated. This is a big spot. And, and again, they've got the better talent. So if they come out and they're all dis- and they're disciplined, they've got a good game plan. Then they they certainly can win this game. Uh, I just think there'll be some weird things happening. It's an early game, you know. Not the one weird thing that I haven't factored in is I bet you more most of the crowd there will be TCU fans. SMU just doesn't have a great home field environment, and TCU fans having gone to school there. If I know one thing, they love going to party in Dallas. So I think they'll show up, and and I have heard a lot of motivation from the frog side. Uh, to, to, to pull this one out for Sonny Dykes. I just think Tanner Mordecai is the best player on the field. Um, they went to Maryland last week, and I know Maryland you know, isn't a top-10 team, but Maryland's a solid squad and, and can put up points, and, and they had a respectable game and only lost by seven. Two Maryland had a chance to win that. I, I, think, uh, I think you'll see 
the, the schedule this far for TCU has been, you know, very weak. Colorado is one of the worst power five teams in, in college football. And, uh, you know, they struggled in the first quarter, first half with them. I think that was a little bit of Colorado also playing very slow and trying to, to you know, quicken the game because they needed to try to keep it close at all costs. Certainly was a different, uh, different story in the second half. But I think this TCU team is going to have some growing pains this year, and this might be the first of, uh, of a few that they – where they, they, they struggle and they lose to maybe a team they shouldn't lose to. Shows you how much I pay attention to TCU football. I didn't even know Duggan lost that uh, starting position. Yeah, you know, well, it's weird too because like uh, Chandler Morris won the starting job, but it was one of those deals where going into the Colorado game – they were going to use three different quarterbacks, including a a uh, freshman kid from Chicago or from Illinois, who's really just a, a dynamic runner. Not really going to come in and pass at this point in his career. Um, that'll be down the road. But yeah, it was Chandler Morris, and then he got hurt. Um, he was going to come out probably at at some point in the second half for Duggan to get some work, uh, but Duggan was forced into action. And I think it's also a scary thing, you know, when you see a, a guy that's been a starter for a, a few years at a program fail to win the starting job there might just be something more there um as far as his inability to to make proper reads and 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 all that so now if he, he he's a dynamic runner so if tcu can get the ground game going we've seen that in the past then they could just they could absolutely just run right through smu but i think smu can score with them uh so i, I again back in the better quarterback in this uh if chandler morris was there i'd feel a little bit more confident but unfortunately fortunately we'll have to do this one without him the number, not the number. Whoa, the three and O Duke Blue Devils and the they should three. Be, they what? both should be ranked, probably. They probably both should be ranked. I think that's a little bit of name brand situation going on there. But the three and O Duke Blue Devils and the three and O Kansas Jayhawks at noon Eastern time on FS1. Crazy. Never would have thought that we'd be talking about these teams being undefeated as they had to Lawrence to play each other a little bit of, I saw some people saying this was your chance to go to Lawrence for college game day. If you really wanted to, but no, they'll be heading to Knoxville to see the Vols and the Gators. Not only is Kansas three and O straight up. They're also three and O against the spread Pierce. They are favored in this one by seven and a half points. Duke for what it's worth. Like I said, also three and O two and one against the spread. Their wins coming versus Temple at Northwestern and then North Carolina A and T, Kansas taking down Texas or Tennessee Tech, West Virginia and Houston. This is not your dad's Kansas. This is not ten years ago Kansas. This isn't even two years ago Kansas. This is a different Kansas. This is what Lance Leipold is doing is absolutely miracle work. He has turned this program around in a second. I love that QB, Jalen Daniels. He's also their reading or their, their leading rusher on the season so far. It scares me a little bit because whenever you see a guy like that who's leading so much of the team, it scares you that if he has an off day, everything gets taken down or, God forbid, he gets hurt. That being said, what Lance Leipold is doing, I just believe in this Kansas Jayhawks team. Do I think it's going to be close? I don't know. That's what it comes down to. I just like what Kansas has done against who they've done it against having to go to West Virginia, winning that in overtime and then to Houston and winning. Not sure either of those teams are necessarily great, but this Duke blue te- blue devils team is a little bit less untested. Northwestern just flat out stinks and they only beat or only lost or sorry, only beat. Wow. only beat them by eight points. I like, Duke to stay close until it's not. I like Kansas to take this one in the second half and cover that seven and a half point spread. Have yourself a day, Lance. I agree. I agree. I like Kansas a lot in this one. You know, got to, got to, got to prop or tip your cap to what Duke has done. Duke was uh, widely considered to be one of the worst power five teams in the country. Uh, Elko, the D, former D coordinator from Texas A&M. Kind of surprisingly out of nowhere goes to Duke, um, you know, a place that I, I would say is typically a coaching graveyard. And boy, he seems to be have instilled some confidence and 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 they're playing very good football right now, even if it's against some crummy teams. You know, if you look on the other side, Kansas really hasn't played that many good teams either. West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big 12, um, you know, so. Uh, but I, I think the one constant in this game is can, I can trust Kansas's offense. Kansas is putting up big time numbers on offense. 
Um, I do worry a little bit about Elko uh, being that having that defensive background, being able to scheme against this Kansas team. But man, I, I think Kansas has some really good players on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, they're certainly not going to be able to stop Duke. Not that Duke is prolific on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Kansas has been in some very high scoring affairs, uh, you know, this far so far this season. Um, but I, I do. I think Kansas Kansas will score and score and score here, and Duke just won't be able to keep up. And so I like Kansas minus seven and a half as well. The number twenty Florida Gators in Knoxville to take on the number eleven Tennessee Volunteers. That game is at three thirty Eastern time on CBS. Game day in town, like I already said, as well as one Madison Browder in town for this game. Going to have to wear orange, and it's going to make my little bulldog heart. Absolutely cry, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Florida obviously has had a very up and down season so far this year. Pierce looked fantastic when they beat Utah. We thought to ourselves, holy crap, Florida is back to business. Anthony Richardson going to be in New York. The past two weeks have not lived up to that building. Billing, losing to Kentucky at home and then barely getting by a USF at home. This is their first time on the road. It's against the Tennessee team that has been able to handle their cupcakes with ease, which, hey, that's saying something in this day and age. Did have to go to overtime with Pittsburgh, but that was in Pittsburgh. This is going to be an absolutely raucous environment. Absolutely raucous. Um, Neyland is going to be shaking. Ten and a half is what the Vols are favored by. It scares me a little bit, Pierce, because we saw flashes of brilliance with Anthony Richardson, and if he play, brings his A game, then... I think that this is going to be a very close one. That being said, the past two weeks have been tough, and he has not started a game, or really, I don't know if he's taken meaningful snaps in a game like this on the road. Um, I think he's a credible, an incredible athlete who has a new head coach, and they're trying to jive, and, and I think that Billy Napier knows that Anthony Richardson has that athletic prowess, but maybe perhaps there was something Dan Mullen knew that the rest of us were trying to understand when it came to this guy, and there's a reason Emory Jones was getting these reps in front of Anthony Richardson, so who knows? Maybe he'll turn it into high gear and get it together in this one. I'd love that as somebody in attendance just for a really fun, close game. That being said, what the Tennessee Volunteers are doing is uh, is a little bit special for them. They've been a down team for a while. Obviously, you and I growing up in Vol country understand firsthand how this program has been just absolutely reeling ever since uh, the, really the late 90s, early 2000s. It feels like something's finally brewing in Knoxville. It feels like a special type of season for them. Hendon Hooker can absolutely ball. I will say this. They are the type of team, Pierce. For Okay, little little football lesson for all y'all. The first series that you are seeing with teams have 100% been scripted. They've 100% been thought out. It's like going into battle with the idea of, of you know an, an exact plan of what you're going to do. And then what happens is you show your cards a little bit and you start seeing adjustments. When the Vols are on script, when they get the chance to sit down and figure it out, they're the best team in the country. When they have to go off script, things get a little shaky there. So this is going to really come down to what kind of coach, especially an in-game kind of coach, both Josh Heupel and Billy Napier are. I believe in Josh Heupel a little bit more than Billy Napier. I haven't quite seen it from the Florida Gators yet. I got to go Tennessee in this one to cover. I, I think that this one is not going to be close. I think that the Florida Gators have a lot more work to do. I think that they will get to potentially, I don't know if Billy's the guy necessarily, but I think they will get to what Tennessee has done where they finally have turned it around. It's just not here and it's not now. And it's not their first on the road test against this Tennessee team who can score early and often. And they're going to have to keep pace until eventually you know, something's they, they'd have to keep pace the whole game. Essentially. I don't see that happening. I like Tennessee. This one. I like Tennessee big. Wow. Did I just hear Tennessee when they're on script, the best team in the country? Well, one of the best, you know what okay. I'm talking about that, that, when they're on script. The, I, Josh had to, I had to clarify that for you. Cause I do. They're a very good team. They are. I'm, I, would, I would say they're probably a top 10 team, uh, at, at least top 15 when they are on script. Nobody so comes I do, here for right. mediocre takes. They want the fiery takes. Whew, Not the best that's team. A strong top 10 one. Team. That is a strong one. But hey, I, I respect that. Um, I, I, my, my take in this game is because I could see it going a number of different ways. I've got to stick with what I know. 
And what I know is Tennessee finds ways to lose in this series. They just fair. do. And until they do it, I, I, I'll have to see it to believe it. This is, I think it's the biggest spread Tennessee's been in this series since like 2008 or something like that. It's, that's ridiculous to hear that because Florida's had some bad teams in that time too. Uh, and even when Tennessee's supposed to win, they don't. And and it's in usually in weird, dramatic ways. It's it's shocking. Um, I think this is too many points. Maybe I'm wrong in this game. And and like you said, this offense comes out and just is is you know operating at that that quick pace and and they're hitting those they're getting that quick first down and uh, Florida gives up on defense because I could certainly see that happening. I just I don't. I, they've got to they've got to exercise their demons in this one. Um, and and I and. Until I see it, I, I can't back them at eleven. If this game was under a touchdown at six, hell yeah, I'd, I'd be on Tennessee. But this this seems like four or five points too high. Yeah, that'll be a raucous environment. But Florida has dudes too, and I don't think as bad as Anthony Richardson is, I don't think Tennessee's defense is all is good enough to keep them off the board. Uh, you know, under 21, 24 points. I see this one being kind of a kind of like I think this one comes down kind of like the Pittsburgh game. I think this is kind of a slog uh, of a game and and you know sloppy at times. Um, and and you know Tennessee has those spurts where they look just unbelievable on offense, and then those spurts where they don't get the first down and they lose that rhythm and it's and it's just it's nasty to watch. Um, and and I do think Anthony Richardson coming. Listen, last week it's easy to overreact on Florida's game against South Florida. Last week it was disgusting. It was their second bad performance in a row. I get that, but I'm not overreacting against South against the game against South Florida. It was clearly a look ahead spot for them going on the road against Tennessee. Does that mean they're going to come out and win? I don't believe so, but I do think they keep this one close in, in what usually is a close game um, or at least a, a win on the Florida side. So give me the Gators uh, in, in a game that I'll despise watching because I hate both these teams. Hate them both. I hope to hear Rocky Top 87,000 times on Saturday so I get my pick correct. That being said, save me the – I'm going to lay down at night and hear it in my sleep. But that's just – it's tough. It's tough. Listen, I got crap the other day because my roommate is a uh, Vols fan, and we were in a bar watching the Florida State game. It was a Florida State alumni bar, so I'm just going to throw it out there. And, you know, yeah, we do the tomahawk chop a lot. We do it a lot. You can hear it on the broadcast a lot. They might play Rocky Top more. I don't know if the band knows other songs. I'm just going to say that right now. Well, if they're scoring touchdowns, you certainly do. No, they do it if they get stops. They do it after first downs. They do it when they enter the field. They do it when they leave the field. They do it all the damn time. Yeah, but Tennessee and if has you to ever play well, heard to this, the, Can we talk about the lyrics really quick? He says, once I met a girl on Rocky Top, half bear, the other half cat. Wild as a mink and sweet as soda pop, I sure dream about that. What does yeah, that mean? I, I, I don't. I don't know, but... Hey, they uh, they they love it up in Knoxville, and and I mean, it is a it can be a it can be a catchy listen. I can't stand it, but it's hard when you watch a full game and Tennessee plays well, and that 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 jingle is playing all every thirty seconds. Even much as as much as I despise it, I, it gets stuck. It's catchy. It gets stuck in my in my head, and it's uh, da, da, it's easy to do. So um, even though I hate it, it's a it's a catchy jingle. So I'm sure I'll be humming it. Um, after this game, if Tennessee wins, listen, if they want to make out with the Bearcats better than their cousin, let's talk about the Minnesota Golden Gophers undefeated heading on, heading on, heading to take on the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, my brain's working about 85% Pierce, if you can't tell. Take it on the Michigan State Spartans, who are two and one so far on the season. The game is at 3 30 Eastern time on the Big Ten Network, which means I won't be able to watch it. That being said, not really sure I want to watch it after seeing what Michigan State did. Last week on the road at Washington, Minnesota undefeated, like I said, but they ain't played nobody, Paul. New Mexico State, Western, is that Illinois? I think that's Illinois. Colorado wins against all of them in blowout fashion, but you can't really hold that up against anything because of who they have played. I think that this is going to be interesting to see what Michigan State does in a bounce-back spot. Like I said, they did lose on the road to Washington but maybe they were in a little bit of a look-ahead spot. Look-ahead spot. Washington hasn't been anything great the past few years, and they damn sure aren't a conference rival, or a rival on that matter. So you're looking ahead, and you got your first conference play. Mel Tucker did come out and put the loss, the onus of the loss on himself and said, hey, this is on me, this is on the coaching staff. And, you know, you're not going to come out and say the guys sucked. But I did like the fact that, hey, that even backs up more. Maybe it was a little bit 
of a look ahead spot, not, not really doing a good job of focusing your guys heading into Seattle. Point spread Pierce on the road. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are giving up two and a half points. And this would be my lock it in uh, home dog situation. This is my put pick, pick, pick Michigan State in a get right spot, getting two and a half points at home. Uh, I think that Minnesota is good. I think that PJ Fleck has something good going. But it's also Minnesota, Pierce, and I think that they are known to get there. There's a reason why Minnesota isn't necessarily on the national scope of things. Um, now that being said, I look like a fool here because Ibrahim could go off and look amazing. He had a great game last week. Obviously, last year Minnesota was poised to do something special, and he gets hurt in the first game of the season. Um, that being said, I like Michigan State in a we're embarrassed, we're back home, we're licking our wounds type of of uh, they, they're going to be, you know, kind of like. Uh, we, th- we thought Texas A&M would be last weekend. That's what Michigan State is this week. Give me Sparty plus the points at home. That's a good point, and and I'm with you. I'm We're in lockstep here for the most part, uh, other than that first pick of Clemson and you're, you had Wake. Uh, you know, if I – this game, it seems very similar. You know, it's one of those rat lines. Uh, you're like, how is Michigan State the underdog at home? Um, but – they did get beat and beat pretty handily last week against Washington. I think what we'll find out is Washington's a much better team than than people think as of now. Um, I, I'm I'm certainly not as high on Michigan State as I was last as as you know I was last year. I don't think they have the guys they missed on some of those transfers. I've actually heard from uh, you know some other some other podcasts and other things that I consume throughout the week that that they're you know. There are some rumblings inside that that you know program that think you know some guys are starting to turn and say this this team might be pretty bad, um, and that scares me because I think Minnesota seems like the team from that side of the Big Ten that that looks to be the favorite to come out and face you know Michigan or Ohio State or whomever comes out of that other side. Um, you know you're certainly certainly seeing some bad performances. Um, you know, otherwise, other than Minnesota and Minnesota, Tanner Morgan has really played well thus far. This will be a big test for him. Um, you know, he, he really digressed the last season or so, uh, from, from his, his first welcome to the, to the college football world type of season. Ibrahim seems to be back. I think, again, I think this Minnesota team is slightly better. Um, in the long run, but this is just a bad spot for him going on the road. It's a ratty line. I, I, and I agree with you. I think Michigan state comes back very motivated in this one. And even though they might, they might not be the better team in the long run. I think they steal one from Minnesota here. Um, and in a nice revenge spot, the number 10 Arkansas Razorbacks and the number 23, Texas A&M Aggies in the Southwestern classic in AT&T stadium, Jerry world, that game is at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Arkansas will be picking up two points there at the neutral site game. Interesting to me, Pierce. They're undefeated. Texas A&M, they did bounce back last week in whatever you want to call it type of a bounce back that was against Miami at home after that loss to App State. I guess Arkansas really hasn't played anybody. They did get off to a very shaky start versus Missouri State last week. But like... I don't know. Call me crazy. Maybe this is a little bit of a, I just like them better. I just think that they're more fun to root for, but I love Arkansas. Sam Pittman is the most likable coach in America. They really don't have any bitter rivals. They're not winning enough to hate them. They're not in Alabama uh, or in Ohio state or damn, you could probably say Georgia now. They're three and O there's a reason they're three and O Pierce. And I just think that, KJ Jefferson, if I'm, if I don't, I don't love KJ Jefferson necessarily, but he's better than both of the quarterbacks at Texas A&M. Obviously, Max Johnson's now taking over for Haynes King, but I, I, he's he is better than them. Um, they're putting out more offensive firepower. The, the offense at Texas A&M is is woeful right now, just absolutely woeful. Defensively, they're good, but you're not at Kyle Field. You don't have your nut grabbing yell leaders. It's going to be a neutral site. Arkansas has some belief, some hope, which is dangerous. Now, I don't know. Who does Arkansas have next? Is it a look-ahead spot? I didn't even look. Oh, they I'm got Alabama sure they next week. Bama. They got Bama next week. Yeah, that's fair. 
that's fair. Maybe, you know, there's something said about that. Um, but I just like Arkansas in this one. They're picking up points. It's not very many points, but they are picking up points. Like I said, it's a neutral side. I think it'll be a pretty raucous crowd, but I do think Arkansas is going to travel for this as well. And I just like Sam Pittman better. Maybe it's just because I want it to happen. I just can't pick Texas A&M in this spot. Give me, uh, give me the Razorbacks and KJ Jefferson. My biggest fear in this game, is this the one where Arkansas's injuries, because they are very injured right now, um, a lot of a lot of key players out, is that going to come back to bite them in this game? Also, this game, this rivalry is a weird one. This is one where generally the, the, the worst team wins. Um, a lot of weird stuff has happened in this series since they've picked it back up when A&M joined the SEC. Uh, I'm going to fall for it. I'm going to take Arkansas on this one. I'm sure I'll be uh, be wrong come Saturday evening. Uh, but I like the points you made about being in a neutral site. That certainly helps. Um, uh, it, it, it's probably going to be pretty close. I don't think KJ Jefferson is going to be able to put up 35 points on this A&M defense. Now, if A&M comes out and is very undisciplined like it was against Miami and three uh, DBs are ejected for targeting, you know, in the, in the sort, then I – then, then I think Arkansas, I guess, could. But I think I think AM will keep this one and try to muck it up. But I, I just don't think Texas AM can score. Even on a, a depleted defense for Arkansas, I think Arkansas has enough there to keep AM to to 17-21. And that's just not going get to it, get it done, despite how good their defense is. Uh, I, I think, you know, when I when you look at Miami last week, they really struggled to score. You could chalk that up to AM playing good defense. Or you could just chalk it up to Miami's not been good on offense so, so far this season. Uh, Gad is coming over from Michigan. They have not been able to figure it out yet. Uh, so I don't know if this Miami team's as good as we thought it was coming coming into the season. So when you look at it that way, A&M's offense and, and, and defense, you know, was it really all that great last week? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think so because Miami's just not great right now. Uh, they, maybe they'll get it together. They don't have much competition on their side in ACC. But I think Arkansas will be able to physically run the football on this A&M team um, and, and ultimately you know, provide the knockout blow late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter. Uh, and, and, and it'll probably be, who knows, like I said, weird things happen. Usually these aren't close games or usually these are high-scoring affairs, so maybe I'm wrong on all accounts. But I do think Arkansas gets a 7-10 to 10 point win here and covers this spread uh, in what is usually a weird, weird rivalry game. The Wisconsin Badgers in the shoe to take on the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. That game is at 7.30 Eastern time on ABC. Wisconsin, uh-huh. not good, not great, not good. Um, Ohio State, on the other hand, they are 3-0. They did narrowly beat Notre Dame. They did handle very well Arkansas State and Toledo, followed up that Notre Dame let or a little bit of a rough start, I should say. 18 points, though, Pierce. That's the storyline here. 18 points is what Wisconsin will be getting in this game. I I mean, yes, my head is like, duh, Ohio State is better. But 18 is a lot for a team that could either be firing on all cylinders or, like we already saw, looked pretty rough to open the season up. That being said, Ohio State is one of the best three teams in the nation, and they have a lot to play for this season. So I am going to take Ohio State minus the points. Um, maybe a little bit of a crock-potting situation, but they're going to have to do something like this to kind of uh, put a statement because they're kind of – it's funny because even though they are a good team, they're kind of not being talked about right now. Uh, and CJ Stroud needs a Heisman moment. They need to kind of put a little bit of a, uh, a stamp on a win, and that is going to be this game. There in the shoe, give me the Buckeyes. I'm with you. I, I think Ohio State absolutely blows Wisconsin out. Wisconsin's not a great football team this year. They lost a ton, especially on that defensive side of the ball. And ever since Graham Merch joined this team, this this offense is inept. It's it's inept. Their only their only path to covering this is if Braylon Allen can just carry this offense and and carry and carry and carry, which is a possibility. And and here's why. C.J. Stroud and company, their offense for Ohio State is is very good, okay? Very good. They struggled a little bit against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, Notre Dame was playing a, a style where they were trying to keep it very close, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just running it a lot, trying to burn the clock to, to be there in the fourth quarter. 
What does scare me is, and everybody talked about it after the Notre Dame game, that Ohio State's defense is is completely different this year with Jim Knowles coming over. And and yeah, I I think they are better and they're much improved. They've been doing good things that you like to see in a defense. But despite scoring seventy last week, they did give up twenty something points to, or I think twenty eight points to Toledo or someone like that. If if Toledo can get that, I don't care if it's against their backups. Then Wisconsin can get fourteen to seventeen points here, and that could be the difference in 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 Ohio State covering or not. That does scare me a little bit. But at the end of the day, I do think uh, this this Wisconsin defense is 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 still a, a work in progress. Um, I don't think offensively they can score with Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to get in the high 30s, low 40s, and I just don't see Wisconsin getting even into the 20s here. Um, a team that that failed to score more than 14 points against a Washington State team, who I do like the prospects of this year. Certainly, uh, I believe I even said it pre in our preview of the Pac-12 that I thought Washington State could be a sneaky, uh, you know, bowl team, pretty pretty, and upset a couple folks, but they're not going to go nine or ten wins in my opinion. So. Uh, you know, Wisconsin only got 14 points against them. I, I don't see it going much better on the road. Um, if this was at home, maybe they keep it closer. But I like Ohio State to win this one and win this one big. The Kansas State Wildcats and the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma sitting at number six in the nation. That game is at 8 o'clock Eastern time on Fox. Oklahoma at home favored by 13 points. We kind of had forgotten about the Sooners, Pierce. Obviously, they had a lot of uh, off-season movement when it came to coaches and some kids that were taken from uh, from Lincoln with that coaching change, namely Caleb Williams. But they made a statement last week. They said, we are still here. Do not forget about us. Or maybe perhaps Nebraska is just that. Sorry, Kansas State, on the other hand, was handed their first Loss last weekend when they were upset by Tulane, seventeen to ten, at home. I still am a little bit perplexed about the Oklahoma thing, Pierce. I know that they're a good team. Dylan Gabriel is a good back, a good back quarterback. But I'm still, I still, I'm just not a believer. I'm just not. I think that they still are going to get tripped up once or twice this season. But it's not going to be this game, and it won't be to the Kansas State Wildcats. Um, Ah, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I was going to say, well, maybe. I was like, kind of thinking through it. I was like, well, maybe it'll be a little bit of a, uh, you know, letdown after last week. It's not quite a look-ahead spot, obviously. They still have Texas looming, but I don't think they're necessarily going to be worried about uh, old TCU yet. So I'm going to take Oklahoma minus the 13 points there at home. I'm being really boring. I'm going with the favorites this week, but it just feels like that kind of a week. Give me the Sooners, Boomer Sooner. What about you? Yeah, and and that's usually not a good thing when you're taking all favorites, and I'm doing the same because uh, I like Oklahoma as well here. Uh, this game does scare me a little bit because when you look at Kansas State, has provided some crazy uh, crazy upsets and caused some trouble for for Oklahoma in years past. Um, I also think that this could be a little bit of an overreaction coming off the blowout against Nebraska. I think if I if I learned one thing about Nebraska last week, in in a spot where they had every reason every reason to come out fired up and and to compete hard they just got the doors blown off them and 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 they are a bad bad football team they are definitely more of a two three win team than i thought coming into the season when i when i thought they were an eight or nine win team potentially if all those you know close games started to go their way uh, so I do. I am a little bit scared about a letdown spot here for Oklahoma, especially with uh, Kansas State having some success against them in years past. Coming off a loss, they're going to be highly motivated. But at home, I think Venables. I think that's one thing I've. I'm starting to, starting to kind of get over when it comes to my thoughts on Oklahoma. You know, in years past, this was an Oklahoma team that had letdowns. I think under Venables, because of his motivation and how he's a pretty fiery guy. And, and, and a pretty, I would say probably more of that disciplinarian type, um, who's really going to push having been at Clemson, you know, no complacency coming into this game. Uh, this is a line that should be more like 17. Um, and, and it's 13. Maybe I know if this is going to be a heavy publicly bet game on, on Oklahoma and that's never a great sign, but I think Oklahoma has too much firepower and, and, and I believe this is at home, right? Uh, Correct. For Oklahoma. Yeah, if this were on the road, then yeah, I'd probably be taking Kansas State here to cover, um, maybe a backdoor. But Oklahoma has too much uh, firepower, 
uh, at home, even if they do come out a little slower than normal, I think this fan base will be able to fire them up and they'll be able to pull away at the end. So give me the Sooners minus the 13. The number seven USC Trojans and Corvallis to take on the Oregon State Beavers. That game, Pac-12 after dark, 9.30 Eastern time on the Pac-12 network. Both of these teams are 3-0, and not only straight up, but against the spread. USC taking down Rice, Stanford, and Fresno State. Oregon State taking down Boise State, Fresno State, and Montana State. Six and a half points is what the Trojans are favored by in this one, and it is going to be a shootout. It's going to be classic Pac-12 after dark type action. Caleb Williams has the perfect nighttime stage as everybody is done watching a huge slate of football to finally get all eyeballs on him. Granted, it's not a lot of eyeballs, but it's all the eyeballs still watching football at 930 Eastern time on him. I just can't. Do it. I like Oregon State in this spot, Pierce. I like them because they're the point spread feels low, which maybe not doesn't bode well. I, I feel like USC should be favored by a lot more, but that being said, with it being in Corvallis. But in a shootout type spot, I like the home team. I couldn't tell you one single player on this Oregon State team. I really couldn't. Um but I could only really tell you a couple of the people. Well, actually, that's a lie. I can tell you a lot of USC Trojans. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. Uh, who is that? Travis Dye. But, but there's something about this Beaver team that I think might have just enough little fight in them under the lights there in Corvallis. A little bit of an underdog type situation. I like them to cover, maybe not win, but cover in a shootout goes to the home team situation. So give me the Beavers. I'm so glad you picked that, and I, I actually think you're you're going to be on the right side here. Uh, but I'm happy you took that because I was sh- sure I already had it locked in for you that you were going to take USC in this one, and I was going to pivot and take Oregon State because I do think Oregon State's a sneaky good team. And and listen, when you look at USC, there it, it's a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of smoke and mirrors with their team. Yes, their offense is very good. But defensively, they've gotten a lot of points off turnovers, the most in college football. It's, it feels very much like Iowa um, in years past where they, you know, the defense gets turnovers and they have short fields and that the easy put, it's easy to put up points. Or, hell, their defense just scores on their own. Um, and so at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to correct itself, and that spells danger for USC. But I just think USC has too much on offense here. And if they're coming out, if they come out and don't have a letdown spot here, they ought to put up 30 plus points uh, against Oregon State, despite Oregon State being good uh, or being a a solid team. Um, Certainly, it it feels like a crazy line here. I would have thought this would have been a 10 point uh, spread for 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 USC. That would have made me feel a lot better. Um, it, It makes me think, holy cow, what's what am I not seeing with Oregon State here? Um, or not, or maybe it's the vice versa, not seeing USC. Um, but, but I, I do think that USC has enough to go in and, and, and score a lot of enough points to cover this, especially when it's under a touchdown. So, um, give me the Trojans to stay hot, but I think you'll see them struggle a little bit more in this game than they have in the past. Well, there you go. That is our picks, our 10 picks of the week. If we didn't cover your game, it's not because we don't love you. It's because you're not interesting. All right. Before we let you go, it is time for Pierce's easy peasy picks. Not that we condone gambling here at Bragger Nights, but if you were to gamble, here's where we think the money is this week. Tough week. Tough week. Um, and and after our picks and and highlighting that we took a lot of favorites, and that's never a great sign for your out for your potential outcome that week. You gotta be smart about where you where you pick and choose. And, and the public favorites are a scary, scary place to go. And I'm going right that way. So be aware this this week, folks. This might be the first week where we uh, we see some struggling. But I've identified three that I really like. And three we've two of the three we've actually talked about already. First off, Ohio State minus 18 over Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not a good football team. They now have to go on the road in a hostile environment against an Ohio State team who over the last two weeks has been able to get their offense clicking, and and I, I believe that they're going to come out and put up a lot of points on this Wisconsin team. And it's a Wisconsin team that just doesn't have the firepower. So even though I'm not totally sold on Ohio State uh, being, a very, uh, being a good defense yet, 
Maybe they are. I just don't know if I've, I have I can say that right now with certainty. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's good enough on offense to score and keep up with Ohio State. So I see this being a Ohio State 21 to, to 28 type of win um, because they'll get to 40 and Wisconsin will struggle to get to 20. We hit on this one as well. I'll keep it short and sweet. Kansas minus seven and a half over Duke. I'd certainly like this game to be a touchdown. But man, Duke, I just... Again, you got to take with what you know, and I know that Kansas can put up points against anybody. And Duke, I just don't know if they can put up the points. Now, Kansas' defense isn't great either. Um, if you've seen, they've they've won. You know, the West Virginia game was a shootout. They did give up 30, 30 plus points to Houston, but Houston's a good ball club. I just don't think this Duke defense or team will be able to score and keep up with Kansas. Despite my only worry is Elko. The, the, the former D coordinator for AM coming over uh, maybe is able to scheme. And, and certainly I think Duke has to come in with the game plan of running the football and keeping this one, you know, shortening the game because I think Kansas gets to 40 plus points pretty, pretty easily in this one. Uh, and, and I don't think Duke will be able to play that style of football um, and, and shorten this game and, and keep this within the number. So I like Kansas to win this one by like 13, maybe even 17 points here um, in, 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 and golly, what a great Kansas uh, story we've got going and, and potentially could get even better. And last but not least, I'm going back to the Big Ten. And it's another scary line. And, and I'm sure some people will give me some pushback. But if I know one thing about the Maryland Terrapins, and I was pretty I was pretty high on them coming into the season as a team that could win eight or nine games if they had a couple upsets. And they have a, a pretty good offense. But if there's one thing I know, there are spots throughout the season where they look abysmal. It happened last year against Iowa where they were, I think, believe 5-0, and and Iowa was coming on the road, and they were undefeated, and it was at Maryland, and Iowa won like 40-something to, to like 7. I think this is one of those spots. I think Michigan minus 17. This should be more like a 21-point game here, uh, and, and I like Michigan to continue to flex their muscle and really prove that this is a, a team that can compete in the Big Ten and for a playoff spot. Um, I don't think they're quite on that level, but they're going to compete for it. And, and I like Maryland to really struggle in this one in a hostile environment and in one of those typical games where they lay an egg. So giving the, the Michigan Wolverines minus 17 and a half over the Maryland Terrapins and let's look to stay hot. There you go. That is Pierce's easy peasy picks. If I might add one Pierce, Coastal Carolina favored as they head down here in Atlanta to take on the Georgia State Panthers. Georgia State, although they have played South Carolina, North Carolina, and Charlotte have yet to win a game and haven't even really been close. Coast Carolina, the Chanticleers, the Chanticleers, one, one, and one against the spread, two and a half points, not enough. Give me the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers over the Georgia State Panthers. A little extra, a little extra for you. That game's at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN2 if you're interested. Um, all right, it was actually kind of funny. Sorry, side note. Last Saturday, we were at a brewery, and you could hear. I didn't know how close you were, but you could hear the Georgia State band playing from the brewery we're at, which was kind of funny. Um, all right, that does it, does it for our week four preview. We have told you what we think is going to happen this week. We have given you easy-peasy picks. Now it's time for you to go prove that you know more than us, go to run your pool. Uh, if you're in that uh, pick them pool or just look out for the email and get your picks in for us. You can still join. You just probably won't win the overall leaderboard, but you do have a shot to win week by week. And that is going to do it here. Like I already said, gosh, I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble landing the plane. But you, Nobody off camera can see this. Pierce can see this. It's so damn late here and dark here. I look like mood lighting. I look like I'm in stage lighting. I, I look like a floating head in my freaking bedroom. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I, I, I've been flipping around like from site to site and stuff and looking up little stats and little tidbits. And so I didn't notice that until just now. I am a straight up floating head. It's actually quite, quite funny. That's how dark it is here in my bedroom. All right. We will see you next week for Bragging Rights. I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all. <laughs>